show. Paul George here. Great to be with you today. Have a great show. And I'm staring at Adam Conk. How you doing, man? Great. Staring back at you. Are you really? Yep. Good, man. Looking at you right now. How am I looking? If you were staring at me, you would know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like looking at you. <laughs> no, I don't blame No you. lie. Uh, I was meeting with a, a young adult in a one-on-one meeting yesterday, and he he has a girlfriend, and his girlfriend was coming meet him at the coffee shop we were meeting at, and it was the first time I was going to meet her, okay? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'll stick around. I'd love to meet her, you know, find out a little bit more about you since, you know, I'm meeting with you, yada, yada. So she walks in, I introduce, and he goes, see, I told you he had a huge butt chin. <laughs> That's exactly what he said to her. And she goes, she was kind of like almost like embarrassed for me, like he shouldn't have said that. And I was like, no, he's right. Like I have a huge butt chin. <laughs> oh, gosh. That was the intro. Oh, Paul. Yeah, so anyway, uh, great show. Uh, great to be with you, Adam. Yeah. I- I'm excited about a few things. So I was just in Austin, Texas. What That's a, cool, a cool place. What a cool town. Been there once, and I loved it. Yep. Uh, so what were out, you doing there? I was out there speaking to a group about how to bring Christ into the culture. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. It was a Legatus chapter, which Whoa. is cool. It's a chapter of, of all around the country of of Catholic business owners and entrepreneurs and yada yada whose mission is to really kind of you know bring christ into the workplace to be ambassadors for christ so anyway i was there spending a little time in austin it's beautiful uh but it was hot yeah okay so here's a couple of things i'm excited for right now um one seasons you like seasons, seasons are coming up but there's a lot of different seasons like the weather season i'm ready for summer to end because it's been brutal um, and then the next season I'm super excited for is football season. Wait a minute. Summer season. Football? Football season. I thought it was fall. Yeah. But it's football season. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm saying is I'm ready for the seasons. <laughs> the, I'm ready for fall season and I'm ready for football season. And I'm trying to make the point that you're not thinking fall, you're thinking football. Like for you, it's the same thing apparently, which makes sense. I'm not putting you down for that. No, I said I they were two that. different things, but I'm excited for both of them at the same time. <laughs> Because fo- well, football starts, it's still hot in Louisiana. Fall hasn't started. That's true. But it continues into fall. That's why we have a, a dome. Our team plays in a dome. because it's The New Orleans Saints. It's hot. Yeah. I don't know if it's because it's hot or if it's because it rains so much. Could it be both? Which I'm so tired <laughs> of the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Probably both. Right on. Probably. Probably. <laughs> so anyway, uh, how about we play a little game? Yeah. Underrated, overrated. Underrated, overrated. I got a little list here. Do you? You did not see this list. Okay. So we're going to we're gonna get at it. Okay. You ready? Yeah, yep. Yeah. I'm ready. Number one, overrated, underrated. An eclipse. O-M. Goodness. Dude, the eclipse like swept the land like it was like... Like the Macarena or something. No, more like <laughs> the apocalypse. Like it was the end of the world. And I don't know... There, I I personally think it was completely and totally overrated. You know, the eclipse happens like every couple of weeks somewhere around the world. Did you know that? Yeah. And so, you know, you could watch it online now. You could view it. You could see what it's like. Here, it wasn't like that big of a deal. Kind of like, you know, for eight minutes, like, you know, the moon blocked the sun. Like, I just don't understand why people were so into this. I think it's completely and totally 
overrated. Well, I did think it served as a great distraction at a time when our country is just ne- it needs to stop being so stressed out. I think. Yeah, and in part, I can agree with you. Like we we just need to have something we all get along about. So mm-hmm. let's get along about an eclipse. Science. So what I love about sports or football is like, mm-hmm. you know, I think sports has the ability to bring people together. Um, but I do also think that we're constantly distracted by things where we don't get things done. Oof. So here's an eclipse. Let's stop dealing with the issues and, you know, let's stare at the sun. You're like the we'll Ebenezer the, Scrooge of eclipses, man. We'll do the sun You're stare. You're like bah humbug. No, I'm not, man. But you do love science. I've seen you love science in other ways. Well, I just we are distracted people, man. I was just <laughs> meeting with somebody. He's like, yeah, you know, like when I get stressed, whatever, I just play video games for hours. And I was like, well, how's that working for you? He's like, it's not, you know? Like I enjoy it, but then I get completely yeah. distracted and then I don't apply for my job or I don't go to work. And it's yeah, just it's no like good. constantly being distracted by things. So no good. the eclipse was eight minutes of distraction for us all, whatever. Great. <laughs> let's let's get back to doing good in the world. All right, number two, overrated, underrated, gyms. Gyms. Yeah, like a fitness gym. Mm, early in life, I would have said they're they're underrated. You know, I love going to the gym. Now I think they're overrated because you have to pay money to go, and I don't have any. You didn't have to pay when you were younger. So I do my own. Yeah, but money money didn't mean as much because I didn't have mm. all these dependents. That's right. You know, so now any little money, you know, I can't justify, I got to go to the gym, but I do exercise. Mm -hmm. So, so I think they're, they're overrated now because I can just exercise at home. I do a lot of stuff at home. Jumping jacks? No. I got, I got like some weight. You got a regiment? Some stuff. So, do you have have a regiment that, that you do? So, I started this when my kids were small. So, I run and I work out. It's like, okay, I can run at the gym and waste time, or I can run at home and I can take my kids with me. Mm-hmm. And a running stroller on whatever, and when they start running, so it, it it ended up being time together. So I started working out at home because I didn't miss out on time at home. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So for me, it was about time less than money. Nice. All right, number four. Because time is money. <laughs> it is number four. Now, uh, is, is this I can't four? can't wait to hear your answer. I'm sorry, number three. I can't wait to hear your answer on this one. Okay, surprise. The Latin Mass. Overrated, underrated. I don't know how to rate that. <laughs> I know. I can't wait to hear you talk about this. I don't know. I mean, I think... Well, you know how... Okay, so a little context. Can we just stare at the eclipse? I mean, it's one of those things where <laughs> well, it's like... Well, you just talked about being distracted. You talk about like tension in stuff. our country and right. people are stressed out. <laughs> Catholics are stressed out about the Latin mass. So a little context. All right. So it is becoming this popular thing to promote and attend and even in some cases uh, prefer. Yeah. Latin at Mass or the Extraordinary Form, which is when the whole Mass is in Latin and in a different yeah, form itself. It's awesome. It's beautiful. So this, this, this growth of interest in it, overrated, yeah. underrated? No, I think, it, I think it's under, underrated. I think it's beautiful. I think it's amazing. I think it's the original language of, of at least you know the formal church. I mean, the original Mass was not in Latin. Jesus did not say the original Mass in Latin. So if you want to go OG, like original... <laughs> Uh, or O-M, original mass. Uh, <laughs> the O-M it, form. It was more in Arabic, right? So let's do that. You know, how about that? Let's go all the way back to Arabic mass, which, you know, the like the, the Mennonites, you know, there's certain rites in the church that do mass in Arabic, which I just think was so cool. I love all the traditions of our church because I think they go, they go all the way. I don't think. I know they go all the way back to Christ, which is mm. beautiful. So I think the move of the Latin Mass is just a sense of wanting to go back 
and really capture the beauty of the church. And I think that's great. Um, not everybody enjoys that or gets it. And, and I think that's fine as well. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not like trying to play France in this and be neutral. <laughs> I just think the church is big enough for so many things to be beautiful and good and right. So. Man, I want to applaud you. That was a great answer. You did really well on the on the spot. On like, the spot. I, you did not know that. No, was you coming. hide these things from me because you you definitely want to make me squirm. All right. Well, I'm gonna give you a, a nice, pleasant last one. Like a ball on a tee. Yep. Okay. Chocolate ice cream. Mm, chocolate. Overrated. Underrated. Overrated. Break my heart, Paul George. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. It's too chocolatey. <laughs> it's too much chocolate. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's too much chocolate. Well, then what do you prefer, sir? All in once. So I would prefer vanilla ice cream. <laughs> and you so, put you put on. like a, maybe a little bit of flavor in it. Right so here. maybe put like some, some walnuts or peanuts or, you know, uh, I gotta stop almonds. You. Maybe put a little Paul. bit of strawberries or fruit in there. Paul, in the last Give me some vanilla gave. yogurt with fruit in it. I'm done, man. That's awesome. And the last answer you gave, you were like, look, some people love the Latin mass. Some people don't get it. That's okay, too. <laughs> I'm fine with whatever. Yeah. And when it comes to ice cream, you're drawing the line in the sand, man. Well, I'm not saying that I wouldn't eat chocolate. I'm just saying that it's overrated. And I'm saying it just doesn't... Ice cream in general doesn't go well if you're going to go to a gym, by the way. (laughs) If you're going to work out. (laughs) So, anyway, I'm a a vanilla, and you put something in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Crunchy. Something crunchy, something flavorful. (laughs) Honestly, I'm kind of bland, bro. Like I would do, I would do like fat-free vanilla yogurt and put fruit in it, and let let the fruit flavor. That is so exciting. The whole deal. So exciting. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we got a great show. I'm excited about it. Uh, Tons of stuff to talk about. Have Brad Hahn coming on. Adam, great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in. It's Paul Giorgio. Be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George here in studio. Excited to have good friend Brad Hahn on again. Brad, how you doing today? Doing great, Paul. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for taking the time. Listen, the last time we talked... Uh, you were in Washington D.C. Uh, lobbying, yeah. basically. Uh, where are you now? Are you back in Phoenix? Yeah, I'm back in Phoenix this week, but I've uh, been on the phone with a lot of our uh, connections in the D.C. area, and also here at uh, Governor Ducey's office here in the, in the great state of Arizona. So, trying to figure out and, and kind of outguess what Congress, where Congress is going next. <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. luck trying to outguess Congress. Um, so honestly, I, I've kind of been on pins and needles since uh, we talked last because you were there uh, kind of on the ground level in D.C. I haven't talked to you since. And I've been personally wondering what's going on, like what's the latest. 
with the health care reform, and has Congress made any movement forward with it? Yeah, they haven't. They haven't made any movement um, ever since McCain uh, voted, you know, against the the skinny repeal and replace. You know, and I just want to preface this by when they say the skinny repeal and replace, um, it was still frustrating to me when I read that bill because it still had the law of the land where uh, individuals still had to pay for morally objectionable things, you know, contraception, abortive patients, uh, on behalf of that individual mandate. Um, but uh, they just reduced the fine from whatever the fine would be down to zero. And so to me, that's not a total replace when it's still against the law, but they just decide not to fine you. You know, for that's, that's the first thing I found, found very troubling. Um, so the second is, thing that's happening... Yeah. yeah, is that troubling or is, is that good news for people that they don't get fined for things like that? Like, well, explain that to uh, me. It's, 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 a, it's a temporary fix. Okay. You know, and so to me, a total uh, repeal would be it's no longer the law of the land, you know, because Certainly. it's going to be pretty easy uh, during, uh, to come in and, you know, and change the fine again you know, to, uh, to increase it, but it'd be more difficult if it was totally repealed right. for a new Congress to come in and say, all right, we need to start adding this individual mandate again, or there may be more of an uproar. So to me, it was just kind of a, an easy way out um, for, for the Senate uh, and what they tried to do. And um, what's going on now is, um, since the Senate uh, couldn't get anything going, uh, um, it looks like the, it's going to be up to the governors to come up with a plan. You know, and they may be able to come up with a plan because um, the governors are ones that are directly impacted uh, by this whole Affordable Care Act. Because if you, you probably remember, Paul, is the whole goal of the Affordable Care Act was uh, basically to expand uh, uh, Medicaid, and that's right. what they did. Right. And so the, the feds expanded Medicaid with, through taxes, and then they gave those taxes to the state. And now the state, that's why the Senate has a hard time repealing this Affordable Care Act, because uh, it, it basically put the financial burden on the states. Gotcha. So when you say it's going to yeah. the governors, it, does that mean that each each state, it's going to be left up to each state to come up with their laws or policies around this? Well, that's, that's one of the proposals right now. So one of the proposals right now that um, it's getting bipartisan support uh, kind of in, in some hearings in, in the Senate right now is um, let's take all these taxes that the Affordable Care Act has, has, uh, has excised on the American public, mm-hmm. and let's just turn that money over to the states and let the states determine what's the best solution in their state to solve the health care crisis. And so we'll see if that gets any traction. Um, and, but that's, uh, you're, you're going to see more of that. That'll probably be coming out here in the next few days, um, and you may see more of that in the news. So is that good news, bad news, no news, you know, that it's going to be pushed towards the governors and the states? I mean, how, how should well, our outlook be on that? Well, the good news is it, it, uh, I think the governors can uh, have some type, they, since they're directly impacted by the Affordable Care Act and understand it better than the senators, I think they can have a really good, uh, come up with a solution um, if they address the right issues. Okay. And so to me, uh, there's still a fundamental issue in our delivery of our health care system, in the payment of our health care system, uh, that's fundamentally flawed. And that's this whole third-party payer system mm. where insurance company or government pays for our expenses. And us as the consumer of these medical expenses, we don't even know what it ever costs. So that's when you get some really overinflated prices. And until they address that fundamental problem, you know, where how, how us, um, us, us consumers, uh, how there's more transparency in the marketplace, how we have a more vested interest in our health care and how much it costs, that's the true way to, uh, you know, to harness these rising medical costs. Because, you know, there's two, Paul, is, you know, um, medical costs are increasing, but the elective procedures are not, you know, like LASIK eye surgery, cosmetic surgery, those prices have actually come down in the last 10 years. 
And so um, that's, that's what we got to get to, I think, more as a free market solution. And the big picture underlying over, overlapping all of this is, is, con- is, is the conscience issue. And so I don't see anybody talking about that anymore in Congress or in Capitol Hill, really worried about this, these conscience issues where us um, Catholics are forced to pay for things we find morally you know, reprehensible. Yeah, it's interesting, and, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but it's interesting what you know the government or people choose uh, to really discuss as far as what our conscience should say and do, you know, uh, within, right. within laws and policies. Uh, but when it comes to the right to life, you know, the care for the elderly, uh, you know, the, the basic human conscience and rights for people— uh, and for life, it right. seems like they don't they don't really fight for that or care as a whole. I'm not speaking for everyone there, uh, but it seems like right. for for people like you and I, it it seems and and listeners, it's kind of a no brainer. Am I wrong? Uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, and and that's why um, I'm grateful to be on a, a show like a program like you today. Is we as as Catholics, as Catholic men, we have to stand up for this. You know, if the bishops aren't calling this out, if our priests from the pulpit aren't calling this out, and the bishop conferences aren't calling this out, it's up to us lay people to call this out, you know, to demand this of our leadership in Congress. And that's what we're trying to do here at Solidarity, is to um, make sure um, our consciences are protected, make sure we follow God's will and God's law when it comes to what we pay for in our health care. Yeah, and it's so interwoven, you know, you know, you, you turn on the news and, you know, you see a world... Uh, where, you know, we're infiltrated with terrorism and war, and then we have all the racial tension happening, and, you know, our hearts are kind of, as Christians, you know, we really want peace and justice and love. Um, But it's interesting that at the very basic, um, you know, in our own culture, we are okay with murdering babies, you know, Um, letting old people, you know, you know, die without care or even assisted suicide. So at the very basic level, we, we see all these bigger issues and, and underlying it all is we don't really care about life in general. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's in the, you know, the declaration of independence, the right to, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So life is the first issue. So if our government doesn't protect life, um, that's, it's, it's fundamentally fails. It's society and it's citizens. Well, and that's and that's I think the point that we're trying to make is that then it spills over in everything, right? If we don't we don't protect life yeah, exactly. and people, then it spills over yeah. into every issue. It spills over into right. all these issues that we see and the tension that we're we're sensing in our world and the lack of peace. It, it spills over into that because at the very basic, we don't we don't uh, as a government care about people and their right to life. And I think right, this is exactly. what you guys are, are fighting for, particularly on the healthcare level, but. But it's more than healthcare for you guys. You you don't wake up in the morning. At least I don't sense this from you. Is that you don't wake up in the morning and be like, you know, I just want really good healthcare. Uh, you, it goes deeper for you. Like you're fighting for for a greater good there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what we're all called to do as Catholics is to uh, fight for the greater good. Hmm. You know, so um, so people have have options. So they people can have the right to exercise their faith. You know, and that's the reason I got involved in Solidarity HealthShare when, when Chris Faddis and Dr. John Ertley approached me to get involved in it. Um, I got so excited about this uh, religious liberty argument because I was so frustrated with where um, the government seemed to be going under, under, the, under the Obama administration 
to take more and more of our Catholic Christian rights away. And uh, that's why I thought this could be a, a, a way to opt out, you know, of this amoral system, number one. But number two, I thought about this in this way too, Paul, is, um, you know, and I Bishop, Archbishop Chaput has said this a few times, um, especially uh, during the presidential election, is the bishops has done, have done a, fa- a poor job in catechizing the faithful. That's why you got so many Catholics voting for Obama, because they were poorly catechized. And I think that goes true over to our health care. Um, I think a lot of people are poorly, poorly catechized on contraception, abortion, abortifacient drugs and such, you know, and even sterilization and gender reassignment and such. And with solidarity um, and, and with health care impacting everyone in this country, it's a way for us to bring back a truly authentic Catholic health care in our society. You know, and that's what solidarity wants to do is lead that way. So we can catechize the faithful on why things are um, amoral, why things aren't following, you know, God's teaching. And so that's what's a blessing to us. It's, it's not just a, an alternative for us to opt out and be quiet of our conscience. It's a way for us to evangelize. Yeah, not only evangelizing and catechizing, but I think with solidarity, uh, HealthShare, you're, you're giving them an option. So I know most people are like, well, what are my options? You know, I don't really have options. You know, my company or my business provides health care. You know, I just kind of sign up. You know, and yeah. most people don't think there's other options or that they even should look at options. Uh, and I often yeah, tell exactly. people it's it's almost like an investments. You know, if you if you invest money in IRAs or stock market or whatever, um, you know, there's some some companies that will invest your money in a in a lot of things that you have no idea what they're investing in, and it could be they could be investing their money in in you know you know companies that support abortion and things like that. But there are organizations that will invest your money in, you know, uh, morally good companies where your money can grow, you know, and so this is what you guys are trying to do. Okay. I'm talking to Brad Hahn, Phoenix, Arizona, Solidarity HealthShare. Uh, Brad, um, we're in the middle of this conversation. I kind of went on a rant about investments, but my, my point was that, um, most people don't think about those things, you know, where's my money going? And, And when they sign up for, for healthcare, they don't think about, you know, what's being covered, what's being paid for, how it's being paid for, and even how they're throwing money away. Uh, and what you guys are doing with Solidarity is saying that there's a better option, a holier option, a moral option for healthcare. Yeah, exactly right, Paul. And so I, I believe, too, is that if we're faithful to God in, in the smallest matters of our life, we're going to be greatly rewarded. You know, and I think that especially holds true in how we, what we pay for in our healthcare you know, and, and contribute to others, but they pay for their health care. And I think the reward we're getting in solidarity is just the, the savings that we're saving our, our members. Um, we had one of our members um, call Chris Faddis a few weeks ago and just say, thank you so much, all the money I've saved, um, you know, signing up for solidarity. My families now, we're able to uh, buy our first family home together. Mm. You know, and that's, that's what this is about. You know, uh, I know my family, personally, we were paying... Uh, $2,100 a month and an $8,000 deductible. And, um, and that's, that's more than our mortgage payment, you know, and we, you know, people in middle class in lower class, you know, in the echelon of the financial side, they, they can't afford this. Right. You know, and my, my, my wife was telling me the other day too, Brad, she says, Oh, here's something else that's great about solidarity. My wife tells me this about once a week, <laughs> how great solidarity is. But she said, um, she said, what was really driving me crazy about health insurance is, you know, once we hit our $8,000 deductible, still stuff wasn't covered under the health insurance plan. And so sometimes we had an 80-20 apply. Sometimes we, it paid for everything. 
And she said, that was just so stressful for me doing the budget for the household because I had no idea how much to budget for health care in, in our house, Brad. And so now with solidarity, we got a fixed budget that we can be faithful to. Yeah, no, I talk to people all the time, including myself, who face those issues with trying to budget and healthcare. But when you say you have a fixed budget, so I'm talking to Brad Hahn, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, you can visit solidarityhealthshare.org and get all the information. It's, it's quite amazing. When when you say you're on a fixed budget for healthcare, it makes no sense to most people. Explain that to me. How that works? Yeah. Well, we our fixed budget is basically what I mean by that is. Um, my family of four, we pay four hundred and forty-nine dollars per month, okay. you know, and that goes into our that goes into our share box, and that's what's eligible, you know, for my medical expenses to be paid for, or for to share another uh, other members' medical expenses. And then we're responsible for the first fifteen hundred dollars of medical expenses per year, and that's called our annual unshared amount. That's just so out that's of pocket, what I mean. right? Yeah, out of pocket. Okay. And so the only thing that that's not sh- um, shareable, you know, in my household would be uh, any type of uh, prescription drugs that's used for maintenance or something like that. But um, in my, but those are um, what we've been doing for our members there of solidarity is we have a, a pharmacy discount card that's really given some great savings to uh, to our members. So that's what I mean about about fixed. You know, we don't have to worry about getting hit with a huge, you know. Um, you know, ten thousand dollar bill or something like that, um, because our insurance didn't cover something. Okay, so well, then after you pay your your monthly, you know, payment, and then your deductible in a sense of you know fifteen hundred dollars for the year, your fixed budget, then then what's covered past that? Is it covered a hundred percent? Like, how do you guys handle? You know, where most people are like, well, when I get my deductible done, it's eighty twenty, and all I have to pay is twenty percent. How does it work with you guys? Yeah. Yeah, well, we can't use the term covered because that's kind of an insurance term. Okay. But um, it, everything, everything up, up past our first fifteen hundred dollars, uh, that's um, that's um, we it's submitted for sharing among the membership, and so it's and every incident is shareable up to a million dollars per incident, and so um, that's and so what happens like if my family wants to get the fifteen hundred dollar annual insured amount that year, and we have another bill come in for five hundred dollars, um, we submit that to solidarity or the provider submits that to Solidarity. And then um, Solidarity determines whether it's eligible for sharing or not, which means it has to follow our, our member guidelines, which basically means that we're not going to pay for anything that we find morally objectionable. And then if it's eligible for sharing, um, then the next step, what Solidarity does for our members is uh, to vet it, to make sure it's a fair and reasonable price in that market. Okay. And then once it's determined it follows the member guidelines, that's a fair and reasonable price, then it's submitted to our, our computer system for, uh, for sharing among the members. And so it maybe there's some money in my share box, maybe, it'll, uh, maybe $100 of my share box will go to this provider, but, um, it's, um, but other, maybe a couple other members will contribute to that. And with that being done, is it's only one check is issued um, to, to the provider, but solidarity, um, the members, um, you know, chip in to do that. Gotcha. That, that's yeah. crazy. It makes so much sense to me. Um, you know, I mean, if it's not morally objectable, you know, you guys, I mean, solidarity, you know, basically pays through all the sharing of people. So the more members that you have, the more that can be shared, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, like right now, we've shared over uh, $1.25 million worth of medical expenses in the last year, you know, which is, uh, which is, it's a lot, but how, how this works is that that may not seem like a lot, you know, because we have a 
1,300 families right now, about uh, 3,500 members that were responsible, 3,500 souls were responsible for. Uh, How that whole game, I told you about how, you know, things are over marked up, you know, by the provider to see what sticks with the insurance company. Uh, A a good example of that is we just had a bill submitted to Solidarity a few weeks ago um, for $174,000 from an emergency room. And one of our members, one of our members had a heart attack. And so we requested um, from the hospital an itemized bill. And when you look through an itemized bill, you kind of see that there's so much stuff that's overbilled in there, you know, sometimes duplicated. You know, sometimes there's $8 for a bottle of water. Well, we went through and analyzed that, and, and we, looked, we looked at what would be a fair and reasonable price in that marketplace, and we countered with $17,000. And so the hospital accepted that, and they still made money on $17,000. So that's something we do, and um, that's why we can keep our um, monthly contributions of our members so um, lower is because um, uh, we're, we're not paying the, the retail price. You know, we're paying, you know, uh, we're paying, you know, below, you know, basically the wholesale price for our medical care. That's crazy. Okay. So the original bill was, what'd you say it was for that? 174000 and change. And, and they end up paying 17000 Yeah, exactly. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's the same stuff that happens all the time. I mean, we, uh, when my son got injured uh, playing um, basketball and he had to go do some physical therapy on his leg, um, they, uh, Julie went in, my wife Julie went and negotiated $80 uh, per, per visit. Um, you know, uh, that's what she agreed to pay. And they submitted uh, the bills to Solidarity and they billed it at $290 per visit. Well, something like that, Solidarity would step up and call the provider, but my wife said, no, I'm taking this one, Brad. <laughs> so she called the provider and says, what are you guys doing? And the, the provider said, oh, we thought Solidarity was insurance, so we billed it like insurance. We overbilled just to see what would stick. Ooh. And um, Ju- Julie said, that's unconscionable to me. Um, you agreed to an $80 per visit. You know? And so um, she, they basically agreed to rebuild Solidarity um, $80 a visit. But to me, that's what was beautiful about this, because Julie wanted to fight for this. Because she said, she says, Brad, if I can save Solidarity a few thousand dollars on this bill, that's going to be money that's available to other members that need it. Mm. And so that's the kind of mindset we need to have is we need to be very responsible as members of Solidarity to figure out exactly how much something costs, you know, and don't overpay for medical expenses. That's how we can keep this beautiful health sharing ministry going. That's crazy. And it's a communal thing, bro. You know, it's awesome. So uh, is there a way, yeah. is there a way that a healthcare company can, can do things right? you know, or, or is it kind of past that? Um, I, I just had one of my clients who's, uh, I'm an estate plan attorney by day uh, sometimes. And I just had my, uh, a client who's a very successful heart surgeon here in Phoenix. And we were talking about that. And he basically looked at me and he says, Brad, he said, how they build these things. It is just so corrupt. It's beyond repair right now. And that was, that was a surgeon's take on it. Um, but I think, um, I think we can have a positive impact on this. Not, not only just say what's bad with the system and stuff like that, but show a better way to do this, a more moral approach, you know, to how we pay for our medical expenses. And I, I'm praying that solidarity could help influence, you know, other families, maybe the insurance industry, you know, to start doing the right thing, you know, to bill what's fair and reasonable based on the marketplace, not try to, not try to um, overbill and see what sticks. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I think the last time I was in the hospital, 
I think it was like $25 for a bag of potato chips. I'm not joking. Yeah. It was really crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't even know how that all works, but to me, it's just, it's just way, way out of control. So, I mean, I can't, yeah. 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 I, I like it. I like it at two, Paul. You remember um, in the eighties when they, uh, they were talking about all the, fraudulent um, spending at the Pentagon, remember, in the, in, yeah. in the military? Yeah. When they're, they're paying $12,000 for a toilet seat and a hammer and stuff like that. And, and that's where we are right now because um, our consumers of health care are not responsible for the bills. And yeah. so they don't care what things cost because an insurance company does that for them. Wow. Well, dude, look, I can't thank you enough for, for your conscience, for waking up every day and fighting uh, for the rights of people, uh, for, for individuals, for families and for people to have rights. Um, you know, yeah. uh, it, it, to me, you guys, what you're doing solidarity, it's a ministry and you guys wake up every day with a purpose. So Brad, I can't yeah, think exactly. of it. Min- yeah. You're welcome. It's a ministry first. We have to serve others. So amen to that. Brad Hahn, Phoenix, Arizona, solidarity, health share. You can visit them. Solidarity, you can check them out, find out all the information. Brad, have a great day. I know you got a busy one, so thanks for taking the time. All right, sir. Thank you, Paul. Have a blessed day. All right, you too, man. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Adam Conk, staring at you over there. You've been hey, quiet, Paul. quiet, quiet. I've been... I've been taking notes. Man, uh, Brad Hahn knows his stuff. He does. I, I think he's smart. I think he is smart. And he probably has a few pieces of paper on his wall that, that complement that assessment. Yeah. 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 Do you ever he knows see what the, talking about. Do you ever see the movie Goodwill Hunting? Yes. Is that Brad like, Hahn? No, I don't. No. I'm just saying, like, the guy was so smart right. in, in the movie that he had, like, pieces of paper all over and... You know, yeah, that's how I see him in his living yeah, room. Yeah, he, or he would remember like everything. He's he got like at. all the the lines of the bills and the. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, you know, uh, so it was great. So fantastic. What'd you learn on the show today? I learned that you love seasons. Yeah, and I need to keep that in mind. Touche. Because when fall comes, like I need to remember how happy Paul is. So yeah. I could I don't know. I don't know what I need to do with that information, but it's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Seasonal depression is like one of the things that just kind of hits me get you huh oh yeah it's like time for a little bit of uh, what they call here is a cool snap cool snap it's a snap of cool (laughs) you mean winter (laughs) no fall (laughs) okay yeah yeah is that all you learned Uh, so i learned that um of course brad Hahn knows what he's talking about Mm -hmm. i learned that solidarity uh is fighting a great cause honestly like they wake up and it's a bigger picture you know, and I think for me, like, I need to zoom out sometimes and be like, it's not about this. It's more about this. And I love the fact that they do that. Um, I learned that um, potato chips are really expensive in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> as well as, like, two Tylenol for 10, do- 
10 bucks. Yeah. $10. It can get out of hand in a hurry. That's like almost movie theater prices. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Imagine if we had healthcare for movie movie tickets. Yes. You only is like an 80 20. Some kind of like Catholic movie guild or something where we demand fair prices. We demand fair prices. We only maybe pay 20%. The bill's sent somewhere and they pay the <laughs> Sounds rest. That's great. We could be on the It might save the movies. I am tired, <laughs> sick and tired of paying $13 for popcorn. <laughs> Or thirteen fifty for twice as much popcorn. Yes. <clears throat> yes. All right. So anyway, how about that six pack? Question. Question number one. So Brad Hahn began the conversation talking about his governor, Governor Ducey in Arizona. Paul George, if people were serious about encouraging you to do this, would you run for governor? I would I? Like, if they were serious about it, like, they have the backers, polls show they support it. Yeah, I would. You would, huh? Yeah, I probably would. Okay. Yeah. Here, I, here's the thing I wouldn't like about politics or running from something. It was, I I am, like, anti-face on posters and billboards. Like, I just, my face. You know, Other people can do what they want. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, um, I just wouldn't, I would hate my face plastered all over. Hmm. But if it's part of the job and the fact that I could fight for people, make a difference <laughs> in the world, I would probably do it. Like I have this weird personality where I'm not af- like I'm I'm not afraid to, to try something new. Mm-hmm. But so it'd be like taking a yoga class, running running for governor. Yeah, just something new. Yeah, a little bit different. But <laughs> I would probably run for governor before I would take a yoga class. Yeah, me too. So just FYI. What about giving one? Giving a yoga class. <laughs> Would you rather? T- <laughs> anyway. All right. Question number two. Um, so we discussed a lot of current events today, and you had some intelligent things to say. So Thank I need you. to ask you this question. Are you a, quote, news, end quote, person? Are you a news person? I check the news every day. All right. I check the world news every day. Maybe twice a day. Have you always been like this? Uh, yeah, I was a, like, I like... A, I used to read the paper. What's that? Uh, but they, you know, you don't need a newspaper anymore, right? Which is weird to me. Uh, so yeah, I read the news every day. I've al- I've always kind of been like that, interested in the news. Very cool. Yeah. Well, good mm-hmm. job, man. Now, but what's depressing to me is like there's rarely good news. Yeah. You know, they report all the bad news, which you know I'm glad I know about. But I, I wish there was a section that was just good news. Mm. Like someone just did something great today, you know. So you hear about all this tension relationally. Like I like reading the good part of that. Like I love like some of the sports stuff where like players from different you know races are like working together and hugging and loving each other. I mean that like that's just what it means to live life and be a Christian. Like so, I wish they would highlight more of that stuff. Because I here here's my thing. I think there's more good in the world than there is bad, and I think the bad is highlighted more than the good. And so it often makes us feel like there's more bad than good, but it's not true. There's more good than bad. Yeah, and I guess from my own personal experience, if my thought process is like that in my own life, that there's more bad than good, then I'm stressed out. Yes. And I, it's not going to go well. There's so much more good, uh, so much more we have to be grateful for. There's so much more good than there is bad, no matter what we're dealing with in life. And I think you make a good point there. Oh, thanks, Paul. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Question number three. So he said it's up to lay people to be involved in law and the 
lawmaking in our country. Do you think that lay Catholics are being effective in that mission as we speak here today? Uh, I don't know. I think some people are. Uh, I mean, I think some people fight for those things. Like in general. Uh, but I, I think we're just so busy and we don't even know what to do. And, you know, you, a lot of times you get like an email or something that says, you know, call your senator or your congressman and complain or send them a letter. And I never do it because I'm like, I don't, what do what I say? And what is this? Like, I'm not informed enough. And mm-hmm. I think if we were informed enough and our conscience was pricked more about it, that's why I think the, the pro-life issue, I think Catholics do a really good job of fighting the pro-life issue because our conscience have been so pricked about it. Like we, we understand that the dignity of human life is of utmost importance, you know, but when it's all these other issues, we, it, it's hard to figure out, you know, where the line is and what we should do. Wow. Yep. Good answer, man. All right. Question number four. Um, so a lot of what y'all were talking about was the importance of, you know, kind of thinking through life's plans, like medical costs and these kinds of things and making sure that, you know, we follow Jesus in all these areas. So I want to talk to you about kind of like family planning. Like when you're when you're a part of a family as a mom or a dad, as spouses, what does it look like to really plan well for your family and like provide well long term? You mentioned things like retirement accounts and all that. I think a lot of that kind of stresses a lot of Catholic families out and they feel like they don't do it well. Yeah. How important is it for a Catholic family to, to do that and what does that look like? You know, there's this interesting balance of being prudent you know, and thinking ahead and, you know, whether it be financially, like living within a budget, saving money for retirement and the balance of trusting that the Lord's going to provide for us. Right. Because really every day is a gift. Every moment's a gift. Our job's a gift. Everything that we have. So I think there's this balance where I meet people on different ends of the spectrum. People are like, you know, all they can think about is, you know, money and retirement and, and they miss out on the blessings of the day and the day-to-day, and enjoying life. And then, I, and then I meet people who are like, yeah, I don't even need to do that. I don't even really need to care about it. And then they get to retirement age, and they're like, you know, broke. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think there's this delicate balance, not only financially, but I think, you know, we really need to, you know, I often talk, talk to people about parenting, you know, uh, and, you know, someone gave me great advice when I had my first child, uh, you know, was an infant. And the person made a comment and says, ah, you're raising a teenager. I said, what are you talking about? And it says, you raise, you raise a teenager now. So the, raise you, the way you raise your kid at two is you're, you're raising them now as a teenager. Like you're thinking ahead about how do you want them to act down the road or be, or what the, you know, what do you, what type of person do you want them to be? So the investment, the long, you're thinking down the road instead of in the moment. And I remember that advice. It made me zoom out for a moment and begin, begin to think, what's the big picture for me as a parent and for my children? Where do I want them to be down the road? And I begin to think of it that way, not trying to miss out on the day to day of loving the fact that they're two or three or four or five and, and that fun season but also thinking about every conversation I'm having with them or every type of discipline is preparing them to be an adult, connecting those two things together. Awesome. Man, good good answers today, Paul. You're bringing your A game, sir. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. Question number five. Boom. And this is always the beginning of a good story. Okay. We're talking about the medical-related things. Have you ever broken a bone? A few. Out with it. Tell us what happened. Basically, the whole left of side of my body, I think, is like <laughs> been like left re-detached. And I don't know if it's all real. I've had <laughs> two knee surgeries, shoulder surgery, a broken shoulder, a broken arm, 
stitches on the left side of my head, you know, uh, broken Dang. toe, broken finger. What's all this from? I think I only broke one thing on the right side was 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 my wrist. It was all pretty much sports related. Oh. Or stupid related. <laughs> Do those ever mix? Yeah, I played Evil Knievel <laughs> when I was a kid. And you I, broke something? I got dared to do a lot of things. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so, maybe in a future show. You know, we can now do that I think about it, I feel really history. horrible for my parents because, you know, they paid all those <laughs> medical bills that I didn't think Brad, were a big Brad deal. Brad got you thinking about it. And right? now I'm thinking, man, <laughs> you know, that those things do cost a lot. All right, so question number six. We kind of discussed the need for especially Catholics to really care about this stuff and get involved in, in these kinds of things. But there's this thing called apathy out there, and I'm sure you see this all the time in working with people. What is the cure for this? Like when there's something we know we should care about, mm -hmm. but we don't, what's the, how do we get from point A to point B on that? You know, I talked about actually this the other night in Austin that, you know, one of my points was I think one of the biggest problems in the church today is, you know, it connects with apathy, but I said mediocrity. Mm -hmm. And I think the two are largely connected is, you know, we settle for mediocrity in our spiritual life, uh, in our relationships, in our marriages. But we settle for it within, you know, how we how we live the gospel. We just want a checklist and and just kind of you know ease. But the gospel really calls us to to go beyond ourselves and make a difference in the world and live with a sense of purpose. And I I think mediocrity steals our joy of what it means to be truly truly Christian in our world. And I think, you know, really the first step is is to really make a decision that I really want to be all in. I really want to live my life to the fullest. And I want to be challenged by the gospel and the church's teaching. And I want to move past myself. And I want to live and leave a legacy that's going to make a difference in the world. And I don't want to just coast. So that's what I would say. We could probably do a whole show on that. But anyway, great show, Adam. Thanks to you for all you're doing. Brad Hahn for coming on. It's Paul George Show. We'll be back again. Talk to you later.